Good morning. Good morning. This is one of those that, um, and it's really a beautiful thing, but for some of us it's going to feel like a hammer on the toes, and I get that, and I'm okay with that. Um, it seems like Jesus has been throwing a few of those lately, and I'm okay with that. Um, it's really, really easy to stand up here and to preach grace and grace and grace and grace and other stuff and just be it all the time, and that's just what we did, but the truth of it is, if we did... Um, There'll be some of us that would leave this room today without Jesus, and uh, I just can't do that for you. But I love you too much. Um, it seems like the theme of this year has been following Jesus. Amen. Like every single, this is just last week's bunch of following Jesus stuff with a new name on it. Really, I'll just be honest. It's, the series have all been about the same thing. It's all just been one thread through the Bible this year about following Jesus. And I'm not. It took me a couple months, but I'm not dense enough to think that that means that we're all following Jesus. Why would God continue to say the same thing over and over and over again if we were all on board with the same thing? He's not on repeat. He's not skipping the the disc here. See, the truth of it is, and here's the weight of it this morning, there are some of us today in this room that if we don't make something happen different with us today, next year we may not be even anywhere in the realm of following Jesus. There are some of us today that are on the verge of walking away, and I understand that, and I get that, and I know that, but I just want to say this to you. If you can walk away from Jesus, if you can just take off and get up out of here, I don't know that I would trust in that thing that I said. Because the Jesus that I read, man, you can't just see that and walk away from it. I know that's serious. I feel the weight of that. I spent minutes over here in this room feeling the weight of that by myself in a little closet before I jump earlier. And then following Jesus is a serious thing. Coming to church and singing the songs and even reading the Bible and praying prayers doesn't make you a follower of Jesus any more than living around the toolbox makes you a mechanic. Those are outward things. But following Jesus is an inward thing. Amen? And this morning, um, and probably for the next few weeks until we get it, and then call it and preach something else, we're going to start a new series, and it's called Going for Gold. I know. Ah, yeah. um, <laughs> anybody else watching the Olympics? Me and Sade, cool. Um, Tony, yeah. Tony, you got this. Um, I love the Olympics. I know it's probably shocking because I don't even look like I do sports. Um, I don't watch football unless somebody else is. And that's just me not complaining. Um, I don't watch baseball and soccer and all that stuff unless it's just the only thing that I have the option of. I'm actually way more comfortable with like the news and cartoons and all that sort of stuff. But I love the Olympics. And I think the reason I love the Olympics is, man, it's such a, a competitive thing. Before you even get to go to the Olympics, you are already like one of the top competitors, right? Like, I can't just decide today I'm going to go to the Olympics. That's not how that works. Um, they would look at me and laugh me out of there because I can't do any of that stuff. Actually, to go to the Olympics, you have to be like the top competitor in your country, and then you leave up out of your country and go to the world and decide you're going to be the top competitor in the world. That's crazy to me. 
That's like a different level of competition. We are not going to cut it at the Olympics. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you. We ain't going to make it there. But the thing that I think is the most amazing about the Olympics is everybody that goes there goes with the mentality that they're going to win, right? Yeah. I don't think anybody goes and they're like, man, you know it would be great if I could just show up. That would be cool. I'll just go to the Olympics. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get down on that little start line, and they're going to take off running, and I'm just going to walk because I can't really run, but I'm going to be there. But it's nobody's mentality. I don't think anybody even goes and they're like, man, you know it would be great? The silver medal. That would be amazing. I love the silver medal, but gold medal is its own little deal. I don't care nothing about gold. I'm a silver guy. Nobody goes thinking that. Nobody's like, you know, bronze medal. That would be that would be amazing. Bronze. I could be the third little step. There's this guy. I'm humble. There's this guy and this guy and this guy. And I just want to be on there. That's nobody's mentality when they go to the Olympics. Every interview you see, they're like, man, I want to win. I want the gold. I'm going to win it. I'm going to do it. And some of those guys have no chance because America's going to win all the medals. Um, Thank you, Shadow. Um, but the truth of it is, they all go with that in mind. Actually, the only way to get to the Olympics is to go with the mentality that I'm going to be the winner, that I'm going to be standing on the top of the box. And if you're not going to do that, why put in all that effort? <laughs> it's not a participation sport down there. It's not that everybody gets a trophy thing down there at the Olympics. It's a you win or you don't win. It's, it's been said that silver medal is actually just the first loser. I've heard that before. There, there's only one that really matters, right? And what I think is amazing about that is that it's so far from the mentality in the church. Because see, in, in the church, man, that really should not be the mentality. Man, I want to I be, be the best. I want to follow Jesus for the best. I want to get to that finish line first. I want to I run the hardest. I want to do the deal better than anybody else. But the mentality in the church is, well, as long as we show up, all a participation trophy here, right? Like as long as you just come in church and as long as you just read sometimes or somebody reads to you or as long as you know what a Bible is, like you're good. And we look at those around us and we kind of judge where we are in our walk with Jesus based on the dude that sits next to me. And I'm just, I'm just, we're at the same level. We both just come in and we, we you know, we, we go around this thing together. And the truth of it is, man, it is so far from what this book teaches us. And this morning, and maybe for the next few weeks, um, we're going to look at that. This morning we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 9. Um, 1 Corinthians is a, a letter that Paul wrote, uh, Paul being the um, Apostle Paul, wrote to the church at Corinth. And um, this whole letter kind of talks about how to live out our faith, how to live out our Christianity. A lot of the letters do, actually. It's not a gospel, um, or it's not Acts. It's not really a much of a story kind of book. It's more of a living out our faith kind of book, and that's the truth of 1 Corinthians. Paul kind of talks about some different things in, in chapter 9. One of those things is he's defending his apostleship. He's just saying, hey, I'm an apostle, here's why. Um, an apostle is really just one of the church leaders of the day, one of the 12 guys that were doing the deal. Um, after he defends his apostleship for a little while, he, he goes into this little uh, few verses about his purpose, what he's here for. And I'll just be honest, I read this to the band this morning, and it's an amazing purpose. Actually, it's the purpose that all of us should have. It's, hey, I will do anything I need to to inconvenience myself so that people will come to know Jesus. That's summing up those couple verses. But then he does this weird thing kind of at the end of 
chapter 9, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Um, Paul shifts from talking about himself, talking about his apostleship, and talking about his purpose, and he starts talking to the church. The church here being the church at Corinth, but also being the church in this room, with a bunch of people that are from different groups, different backgrounds, with different histories, that have done different things, that have experienced life in different ways, but are all kind of gathered around under this banner of Jesus. And this is him talking to us this morning. He says in 24, Do you not know that the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize? That's such a weird thing. Why in the world would Paul switch from I'm an apostle uh, to uh, this is my purpose to talking about sports? I don't know if Paul played sports. I don't know if he liked sports. I'll I'll be honest, the church at Corinth was uh, kind of centered around this area, this temple of Poseidon, and they had some games there, and this is probably just something they can relate to. But he asked this weird question, and this question is meant really as a question for us this morning, a question that we should think about, a question we have to handle, a question we have to deal with. Um, and it's not out of place as it would seem, but he asked this question, do you not know, do you not realize that the runners in a stadium all race? Well, thank you for that theology, Paul. That was great. If I'm a runner and I show up to the stadium, obviously I'm there to race. That's not new truth to us this morning, right? Like that's not revival moments right there this morning. Hopefully we can all come around that truth together. It's not a hard truth this morning. Uh, if you show up to the stadium, there's a goal when you show up to the stadium, and that is that you race, that is that you win, that is that you get to the finish line before anybody else. That's just truth. But he, he adds on this extra part to the question, and it's more of a statement. He says, but only one receives the prize. He paints this picture for us. Everybody shows up, everybody races, but there's only one prize at the end. There's only one goal, right? Now, what in the world is Paul talking about here to the church? Why, why do we even care? Like, we're not sitting around the big screen watching the music this morning, so why is this important? He's using this as a picture for us that we can see and we can agree with of the church. And what he's saying to us this morning is that everybody in this place, just like in the stadium, is in the race. If you showed up today, you you are actually competing in the race. You were here, welcome, hallelujah. We're all on the same journey this morning. We're all going for the same thing this morning. But he says in this that there's only one prize. Now that's not true for us this morning, is it? That's why so, so many of us just kind of do the bare minimum of the run. It's because for us, if we know Jesus, we all get the same thing, right? Yeah, thank you. People are there. Awesome. Not lost yet. Um, We all get the same thing. We all get to be with Jesus if we're all actually in the race. But here's what he says to the church. He says, run in such a way that you may win. And he leaves the question and he enters the statement in the church and he says, just like in a race... Everybody that shows up to the stadium floor this morning is actually in the race. If there was only one prize, if there was only one prize, you should run in a way that you would get it. That's what he's saying. Pretend like today with me for just a second, there was one person getting into heaven. There was one person going to get to meet Jesus today. There was one person going to get the cross over the finish line of death into heaven. 
And he's saying, if that's true, if that was true, you should run. You should follow Jesus in a way that you would be the only person. Now this is just a question that's going to flow naturally from this. Would you be that person? I could say no. I don't know if you are confused about this, but I can say no. Because I am quite convinced that on this planet there are people that are following Jesus to a greater degree than I am. I'm not going to try to sit up here and tell you fairy tales about how, because I come here and I stand here and I sing here, that that somehow makes me different on, on the scale than anybody else. So I think we can all agree, out of all the Christians in the world, uh, I don't believe this figure is true, but one third of the world professes to be Christian. We probably aren't top dog. But see, he knows something that is still very true in the church today. Somehow, somewhere along the line, we've fallen into this mentality that we need to follow Jesus to the bare minimum. That if everybody goes, if everybody gets to heaven because he said this prayer, then all we have to do is say that prayer and maybe every once in a while show up to church and maybe every once in a while sing the song and maybe every once in a while participate or serve but the truth of it is, man, there, there's no pressure behind us to do anymore, is there? And because there's no pressure behind us to do anymore, most of us don't do anymore. It doesn't really matter. Because I said that prayer one time. But here Paul, arguably the greatest theologian, the greatest writer of our faith ever on the planet, telling this church that that is not the intent of God for their life. See, the truth of it is everybody in this room today is running the race. Amen? If you've ever said a prayer, if you've ever said, I believe in Jesus, you're running the race. And it doesn't make sense to put in all that work just to stand at the start line and watch one or two people go towards the finish line. And that's what he's saying here today. He's saying, hey, everybody runs. But if you were in this race, would you be winning? See, we fall into this mentality that it's me versus the person next to me, not me versus the goal God set for me. And he's trying to shatter that in this moment. He goes back to the race illusion in 25. He says, now everyone who competes, everyone who actually runs in a race, this is a real race, not a church race, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. He says, let's think about the Olympics today. Let's just use that because it's fresh for us. Everybody who's an actual competitor at the Olympics, everybody who showed up with a possibility of winning at the Olympics, exercises self-control in everything. That's a true story, actually. There are families that, man, they uproot their entire life and they ship off to a different state or a different even area of the world to train with a specific coach, right? It's true. Look up some of the competitors. Some people in China are actually taken from their families. Their family has to stay. They take them. It's communist school stuff over there. They take them and uh, they put them somewhere else and they're like, now your kid's gone. They're going to be in the Olympics. They're two, three years old. Just decide. Hey, this kid's going to do this. 
You have to have specific eating habits if you are going to compete. You can't just go out and eat pizza every day and hope to be the best competitor ever at the track thing. That's not, I don't even know what it's called. That's not gonna, that's not gonna work. Because you have to train. When, it, when all your friends are going to the movies and all your friends are hanging out and all your friends are doing these things, uh, you've got to be at the gym about 99.9% of the time. Last uh, Olympics, I guess four years ago, one of the gymnasts was talking about how um, she didn't really have much of a social life. It's a problem right? See, the truth is, to compete at that level, to compete in a, in a way that you may win, you have to wrap your entire life around this idea that I'm going to win. And the people that don't wrap their entire life around the idea that they're going to win don't show up at the Olympics because they can't get there. And Paul's using this illustration here for us. I mean, isn't that crazy? Now, everyone who competes, everyone who's an actual competitor with a chance of winning, they exercise self-control in everything. But then he says this, however, they do it to receive a perishable crown. They do this for 15 minutes of fame. They do this for a couple little pieces of round gold that they can hang on a shelf somewhere. They do this for something that, man, is going to get them in the paper and they're going to get the prestige, but in two or three weeks, two or three months, we're never going to hear about them or talk about them again. They do all this for such a short, temporary thing, is what he's saying. Because the truth is, man, athletes that competed 25 years ago are not still competing today because their bodies cannot do it. They aimed their whole life for 20, maybe 30 years, some of them, around one moment. And once that moment has passed, once they got the gold or didn't get the gold, once they stood up there and heard the anthem played, it was all downhill from there for them. They gave 30 years for such a temporary thing. 20 years for such a temporary thing. And that's what he's saying. But then he goes on and he says, but we're doing it for an imperishable crown. He turns it right back to the church. How many of us in here today can say that we wrap our entire lives around this idea that one day we're going to stand before Jesus? That we bring our body into into strict self-control, that that we really do anything different other than give up a couple hours on Sunday? How many of us are willing to give up our social time thinking that, man, we're going to receive a reward that's not temporary but eternal? That one day, you're going to run across that finish line and you can't take any of that stuff you've been doing for the past 40, 50, 60 years with you. And there's going to be one moment that's the moment that you've been aiming for, you've said you were, and it's going to last forever. How much time do we spend preparing for that moment? Or are we even preparing for that moment? Are we running in a way that we may win? Are we just trying to get across the line? And says, these people do it. And then he starts talking about himself in 26. He says, therefore, I do not run like one who runs aimlessly. I don't run like a one who's running without a goal, is what he's saying. This is very true if you know anything about Paul's life after he met Jesus. There was always a goal, and that goal was that he would stand in the moment like he did the first time with Jesus again. He would stand before this God, the Savior, this Creator forever. And his whole life was wrapped actually around this moment to the point where he was persecuted, he was beaten, he was jailed and eventually killed for the sake of the gospel. 
Paul here this morning is not just writing words to us, he's actually living the words that he writes on this very page. And he looks at this church in Corinth and he's like, you don't know why I do what I do. I do this because, man, I don't just run around like with this sweet mentality that wherever the steering wheel goes, I'm going to go. But I, my eyes locked on the finish line and I'm making everything in me push towards that moment. It goes on, he says, let me give you another one. Maybe you don't like running. He says, I don't box like one who beats the air. I'm not just punching around without a target, is what he's saying. He says, I have a target. I have a goal. I have something that I'm aiming at. In 27, it says, instead, I discipline my body. You know what this tells me? That it wasn't easy for Paul to follow Jesus. It wasn't easy just to give up everything and everybody. It wasn't easy just to, you know, be thrown in jail and, and continue in the hard moments to press towards Jesus. It wasn't easy to be stoned almost to death and just continue to, to walk towards Jesus. Boxing, actually, by definition, is hard because you get punched, right? Boxing in this era was harder because it wasn't little soft padded gloves. It was leather wrapped around your knuckles and sometimes that leather could have spikes and that was okay. Sometimes it could have little metal fragments kind of like brass knuckles and that was okay. Boxing is hard and Paul knew that. Paul took beatings. Paul uh, actually, his, his life after he comes to know Jesus was significantly harder than his life before he comes to know Jesus. But what he's saying is that it didn't matter because there was a goal. And because of that goal, because he saw what the end looks like, because he, he knew where Jesus was going to be standing, because he knew where he was trying to get, because he knew where heaven was, because he was trying to, with everything in him to aim in that direction, the punches came and the blows came, and it was difficult, but he disciplined his body. When it got hard, he walked forward. That's, that's actually what, what struggling or striving is. It's just struggling forward. And sometimes that means we crawl. And sometimes that means we walk. But it always means that we're in the same direction if we're going towards Jesus. And this is own box like somebody without a target and say, I discipline my body. When my body says run, I continue to do what I'm doing. My body says, get out of this thing, I continue to do what I'm doing. My body says, slow down, you're getting weaker, you're getting older, I continue to do what I'm doing. I discipline my body and bring it under strict control, not do what I feel like. So that after preaching to others, this is where it's, so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. It's crazy because this is Paul. This is Paul who, man, you hold a vast majority of the second half of the Bible. He wrote that. This is Paul who planted churches all over this area of the world. This is Paul who persecuted the church and then when he saw Jesus for the first time, he changed everything about his life and in that moment he would have lost all his position, all his power, all his friends, probably his relatives because he was Jewish and it's not okay to leave that and to follow Jesus. 
Man, after giving up so much, after struggling forward for so long, what does he mean that he could even possibly be disqualified? Well, for me, it's two things. There are two options for that this morning. One, it could mean exactly what it says, but he might not be able to finish the race. And drop that in there for me. Paul here was worried that he may not be able to finish the race. But Paul here himself could if he did not make himself and took his eyes off the finish line. Paul himself could possibly walk away from Jesus. Or the two, he could become so ineffective, burdened down by living for him, that he would live an insignificant life in the kingdom of God. Paul, after he saw Jesus, could actually have chosen to do exactly what a lot of us do. That's great, I see you. I'm going to go hang out with some of your people now. Good, doesn't it? That doesn't actually cost you very much. Maybe two hours, four hours. Six if you're crazy. We get 24 in one day and get seven of those a week, so it doesn't actually seem like a very big sacrifice. Paul here could have been like, it's great, Jesus, I see you, and we go learn some songs. See you. I think I'll I think I'll give you ten minutes a day reading that word. You spoke. Wow. Man, I can't believe you're sacrificing so much for Jesus. And I'm gonna pray when I wake up and I go to bed and before I eat. Jesus will be really proud of me. Then. And if you did that, you know how much of this book you'd be holding your hand right now. You know how many churches all over the planet across the area? You know how many people, how many jailers <laughs> would have come to know Jesus because Paul was singing in jail about Jesus? And he says the same for all of them. It's zero. See, the truth of it is, when we take our eyes off the finish line and we just wander through life aimlessly and we just kind of wiggle around and come to church and we sing some songs and we read the Bible and we pray some prayers and we pretend like, man, that's all there is to following Jesus. We are shortchanging not only God but ourselves. And that's why Paul looks at this church, this church of people who are probably a lot like us. Church of people who are just bare minimum checking that list to follow Jesus. A bunch of people who, for whatever reason, have decided that this is all there is to it, that this is the greatest thing God can do with their life. And he says, Hey, why are you running? Did you not hear the, you hear the bang? Did you not hear when they pull that trigger? Did you not, did you not get that? When you said that prayer, that wasn't the end of the race. That was like the pistol at the beginning. You're standing at the start line acting like it's the best thing in the world, and you must have never seen the finish. 
God's way more for us than what any of us are experiencing today. And the truth is, when we take our eyes off that finish line, if, if Paul has to worry that he may not finish the race, man, what do we need? Compare yourself to me. Great. You probably look pretty good. Compared to Paul, I don't think any of us are very close to Jesus. <coughs> this man who, and from all my accounts, is one of the closest people to Jesus on the planet. Never even saw the physical Lord that we see. He saw life in Acts after the resurrection. He came in contact with the resurrected Savior, but he didn't walk with him for three, four years like all the other disciples. He was just some guy that Jesus showed up to. Had no credentials to be this. That's why I had to defend his apostleship because he wasn't one of the original disciples. He was just some guy. But he was some guy that the resurrected Savior showed up in his life and he made such a difference that he didn't, he didn't live an insignificant life. He lived one of the most significant lives probably ever on the planet side of Jesus. He lived a life actually that's here most of you to be in this building today. He lived a life actually that most of the churches this morning probably on the planet are reading words that he was talking about because he lived a life where he saw who Jesus was and he ran towards Jesus. And hard stuff happened. It's part of life. Get over it. But he didn't take his eyes off Jesus. And this morning, if, if for whatever reason you're looking around and you're not looking at the finish line, if you're just kind of wandering through life and you're not looking at the finish line, I just want to warn you this morning together that you are in danger. If the goal in you is not, man, I want to stand before Jesus one day, and I don't want to hear him say, hey, you made it. I don't want to hear him say, nice try. I want to hear him say, well done. If that's not the goal in you, that's the goal in you. If you've lost that somewhere along the line, you are in danger today. For some of you, you're in danger because, man, you started on this journey, but you never really knew Jesus I said a prayer one time and I put all my faith in that little block of crap up in the front of the room and some words that I sprinkled over it. But I never put my faith in Jesus. And you know today, if you, <laughs> you're fighting everything in you to even be here. And I just want to warn you, man, I don't know if I would trust in that if I didn't want to be around him. Some of us, man, we've taken our eyes off the prize. We've taken our eyes off Jesus and we're just trying to show up to church. We're trying to be good little boys and girls and just do good things and kind of be here. And I just want to warn you, you're going to live an insignificant life and you're going to enter heaven and you're not taking anybody with you. Because nobody wants what you got because all you do is come and sit somewhere. And God has it set up that the history books could be talking about him through you. But you're good with sitting in that chair. And I just want to warn you, you're in danger. 
this morning, the truth of it is, there's, there's, there's all kinds of ways we can run at this, but the truth of it is, it doesn't really matter what the side effect is this morning. If Jesus is not in the center, if he's not what we're running towards, if he's not what we want, then you probably aren't even in the race. And this morning, he made every possible opportunity for that not to be true for Jesus wanted you in the race so bad, actually. He wanted you to get to the finish line so bad, actually, that he left heaven. He didn't send some prophet or something to tell you about some God that loved you. He came down himself. And he looked at you in your mess and in your junk and in your struggle and in whoever you are, whatever mess that is. He looked at you and he said from the cross, you know what? I want you. You are to die for it, actually. And Jesus, the Son of God, God Himself, deity, the life that the dark could not overcome, that God, the God who it is the Word of God, the God who in Genesis chapter 1 said the things, let there be life, that God came down to this place because He didn't want you to miss it. And He died for you so you didn't have to miss it. And now we sit in a church full of people that for some reason have taken our eyes off who He is. this morning, through Paul, I just want to say, you need to put your eyes back on that God. Maybe for some of you, it's the first time. Maybe for some of you, you're sitting there and you're like, man, I said that prayer, and I don't know that I meant that prayer because I'm, I'm, I want out of here. I don't even want to show up here. I have no relationship with Jesus. I have no need for Jesus. I have no desire for Jesus. And I just want to tell you this morning, I wouldn't trust in that. This morning, you need to come and you need to figure out what the prize even is. And for some of you, man, you're content. You're good with the bare minimum. You want to show up to the stadium and you want to stand at the start line for the rest of your life and you just kind of want to take it easy and stroll up with everybody else. And I just want to let you know this is not a game. What you do today and tomorrow and the next day, they have eternal ramifications for not only you but the people around you. You come in here and you float through it and you go home and you float through it. You go to work and you float through it. You go wherever you're going and you float through it. And people around you are going to die and they're going to go to hell because you didn't care enough to run the race. That's a side effect that I don't really see Jesus actually. And this morning, Jesus is standing here and he's saying, hey, you know what? I'm rooting for you. I'm cheering for you. I'm in the stands. I have a big foam finger with your name on it saying you're number one and you need to run today. I got your flag, and I'm hoping you get to the end, and I want you to come to me. I'm going to stand at the finish line. I'm going to hold out my hands, and I'm going to welcome you in, but I want you to run. And this morning, I think Jesus is saying to some of us, it's time for you to quit playing games with me. And you need to do this. So this morning, you do one of those things. If that's you, we're going to pray.